What is up, everybody? Happy Thursday, and you know what today is? Football is back. We are back. The NFL debuts tonight. The Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it wasn't just the NFL. We had college football start up this past weekend. We're going to give you a couple takeaways from the college football. We're going to preview Tampa and Dallas, look at some other potential key matchups taking place. It is a football extravaganza here on the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. And you know who I am. I am your host, Blaine Spencer. Let's jump right into tonight's matchup. Tampa returning all 22 starters from a season ago that took home the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, the ageless wonder, the GOAT returning. And then on the Dallas Cowboys side, a very disappointing season a year ago. The mixture of the NFC least or the NFC East. Can they dethrone the Washington football team? Dak Prescott expected to play tonight after a little bit of a shoulder injury through training camp as well as in OTAs and through this preseason. Really intriguing matchup to see how this is going to unfold. I think this can go one of two ways. Tampa Bay could easily blow them out of the water and make a monster statement. Or the Dallas Cowboys can prove that this could potentially be the year that America's team can finally potentially show a legitimate title shot. And it aches as I say that and as it came out of my mouth because I am a Washington fan. And giving Dallas any kind of credit just has my heart cringe and make me want to vomit. So... In all other news, it's going to be a really intriguing matchup. I think one of the critical components that we're going to see tonight is the Tampa Bay wide receivers against a very uh, bad, to say the least, Dallas defense. Can Dan Quinn coming over from Atlanta, now the defensive coordinator, actually make a massive adjustment into one of the worst defenses in NFL history a year ago? Right now, the spread is Tampa Bay 8.5. That is really intriguing to look at and try and take into perspective how this is going to unfold. You have, again, Tampa, they, haven't, they didn't really play any of their starters this preseason. But, you know, it's Tom Brady. They really don't need a preseason. He is the preseason because as soon as he steps on the field, he knows what he's going to do. He knows what every adjustment that he needs to make. He's the coach on the field. And he pretty much can dictate what Bruce Arians is wants to call and Byron Leftwich wants to call, and he can make that adjustment need be. But again, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Antonio Brown. He's going to actually have a full season this year. Antonio Brown could easily be the biggest sleeper, especially in a fantasy perspective. If you're going to, I would, I have him on my squad. He's going to be playing the flex. It's going to be really intriguing to see because. There is no argument when he's on the field, he's a top receiver in this league. So, and you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, those two are no scrubs. And then you have a very bad Dallas defense that are trying to reconfigure themselves. Another intriguing component is that Dallas was one of the worst teams against the run. 
So you might see Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette really try and take the air out of this game, make it a possession-style game, play action, and I really could see this getting away from the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm actually going to take Tampa on that 8.5. I think they're going to win by double digits. I think it's going to be around 10 to 14 points. You're going to see a different perspective. And again, when you bring everybody back, that's a statement. Especially in a year when the, calorie, the salary cap drops significantly, you were still able to retain every single person. You want to know why? Because I think they have a goal of going unbeaten. Yes, back-to-back -back is the most important goal. But there's a little uh, reminiscence of a potential perfect season on the line. And it's not really out of the question. You can see different areas of how this is going to unfold. I don't see them going unbeaten. But it kind of looks that way that they have a chip on their shoulder. That they want to be potentially the greatest team ever. I think they're going to be the best Buccaneers team in Buccaneers history. That's not a question. I think they were already pretty close to that a year ago. Very balanced. That team in 0203 that won the Super Bowl. Very defensive heavy. The, one of the best defenses in NFL history. The offense was very mediocre. So, where is this line going to draw? You know, Tom Brady wants to win every time he steps out onto the field. So this is going to be, there's, they have the continuity. They have the things. They have a lot more experience together. It's why the preseason was kind of irrelevant. They really had everything unfolding and they started clicking late in the season. So, we're, and again, I didn't even mention the tight ends. Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, Cameron Bright. Like, this offense is ridiculous statistically and just based off of names alone. And then again, you have Devin White, Levante David, JPP, Shaquille Barrett. Like, where are you going to see anything here? And then again, let's look on the Dallas side. A season without basically any Dak Prescott. He was leading the league in passing yards through the first month, month and a half. He didn't play in the preseason. Remember, strained right shoulder in training camp. So, what are we going to see? Ezekiel Elliott, is he going to return to form? There's a lot of question marks from the Dallas Cowboys. So, but, you know, that offense, on paper, is scary. It is. The defense is another story. Are they going to be able to ch change that narrative? It's going to be, I think it's going to be very similar to a year ago shootouts. When Dallas is winning games, it's because they're outscoring people, not because they're shutting teams down and blowing them away. Blowouts. Not none. Shootouts. Okay? So let's take a step away from the NFL. We'll get back to that in a little bit. But now I want to give jump into the college football spectrum. Week one took place. I'm going to give you my three, three biggest takeaways from the season, from the opening weekend. I mean, there was a week zero, 
two weeks ago. But really, this is when pretty much everybody made their week one debuts. Starting off with number three. That is, UCLA is the second best team in the Pac-12. Yes, I said it. UCLA is the second best team in the Pac-12. Why? You got to remember, this is Chip Kelly's now his fourth season. He ended up having not even the full contingency of players in his first two to three years. Only had 56 scholarship players his first year. He didn't even have the maximum 100 plus players that he could have during a practice session. Now he has that. And you are seeing some reminiscence of Oregon of how they're winning at the line of scrimmage. Week, week zero. They were one of the teams that played week zero. Blew a Hawaii team that I actually thought was going to give them a half to maybe three quarters of a game. Wasn't even close. Blew them out. Their defense actually showed up more than I expected. I thought they were going to be, UCLA was going to be fun to watch. But I didn't think they were going to be this good. Then, last week, number 16 LSU comes rolling in. And if I don't know if you guys watched The Herd with Colin Coward, but Joel Klatt was on it the other day. And he spoke to an LSU coach. And he they texted him after that game that when they walked into warm-ups, they were like, oh my god. This is no Pac-12 walkover. Like, how they were warming up, you, you knew there was going to be a sense of physicality in this game. And that was exactly what happened. And you know what UCLA did? They murdered them at the line of scrimmage. Outrushed them by 170 yards. That isn't no coincidence. That is called winning at the line of scrimmage. Dominant. Absolutely dominant. Beat UCLA 30, LSU, excuse me. UCLA beat LSU 38-27. And there's a name that I think people have forgotten. Zach Charbonnet. Out of the transfer form portal. Came from Michigan. Now rushing at UCLA. Let's just say they're doing a two-back system right now at UCLA. The man is averaging 10 plus yards a carry and he's had a hundred plus yards in both games this is scary offensively speaking 44 and 38 and LSU is no joke like 38 points on 470 total yards DTR looks like the quarterback that they Chip Kelly had finally hoped to have groomed while he started him as a freshman in the first place that maturity is there and this schedule is doable as I'm going through it right now. I mean, you have Fresno State in two, not this week, but the following week. That's probably a win. You have Stanford. First real test, in my opinion, is Arizona State. Then you have, you have an interesting stretch. You go Oregon, Utah, back-to-back. That's going to be the measuring stick. I think they're the second best team right now, right behind Oregon. Watch out for the Bruins. 
I'm telling you right now, that Rose Bowl is going to be rocking this season. Because I think they're a 9-10 win team. They're that good. It's just going to be a question of when they face the big dogs, can they hold up? Number two. At this moment now, nobody is even within the spectrum of Alabama. Mm -hmm. Can that change in the next 12 to 13 weeks? Yes. But after week one, Alabama, there is a significant gap from one to two. And right now, number two is Georgia, who beat Clemson 10 to three. It was not the greatest game to watch. But still, I'm telling you right now, Alabama is further away than anyone other, any of these other teams. Bryce Young like, pretty much had a flawless debut. Four touchdowns, over 300, I think it was 380 yards. Let me double back on that, make sure I'm right. 340 yards, excuse me. Four TDs, 27 of 38. It was light work against Miami. Miami was never even in the game. And Manny Diaz is known for his defense. And that turnover chain down there in Coral Gables, they got absolutely humiliated from the start. It didn't even look like they belonged on the same field. They beat them by 31. That's 1 to 14. The team the team is just reloaded again. I mean, you don't have that wide receiving crew Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. There's no Najee Harris. But I think this is potentially the best quarterback that Alabama's had under Nick Saban. He's the most talented quarterback Nick Saban has had, that's for sure. That's no slouch against Tua, Jalen Hurts, none of that towards Mac Jones. Bryce Young is hands down the most talented quarterback Nick Saban has had at his disposal. And it's been on full display already in week one. And now you don't know if they're really going to get tested now. They had that week one matchup. They do play Florida in two weeks on the road. That could be intriguing. But what's the real danger area here? Looking at their schedule, Texas A&M and College Station. This team could could, can easily blow everybody out this year. Easily. And that's scary to think about. With all the greatness and all the great teams under Coach Saban, they could be potentially the most dominant version of Alabama this season. There's no number one wide receiver, really. You have to spread the ball around. Tailbacks by committee. And Bryce Young is no joke. Right now, he's the front runner for my Heisman Trophy. If I had to decide he'd be at the top 
you could argue Spencer Rattler, but I mean Oklahoma was nothing to really sneeze at. After Tulane almost took them out this week, but ridiculous. Alabama was something else. Now I want to take us to my number one takeaway, and I'm pretty sure this is that this should be hands down the storyline of what took place, and that was Mackenzie Milton against Notre Dame. A man that everyone calls as a doctor's miracle of actually being able to just walk, let alone, you know, I'm going to go out and play football. He didn't just play football. He was the rallying cry for Florida State on Sunday night. Went... 5 of 7 for 48 yards, 72% completion percentage, 129 rating. And if you were watching that game at all, they would go to his parents after every play. And you could see the emotion, the panic, the relief of this even taking place. You got to remember, Florida State was down 18 at one point. And what does he do? He takes them down on two consecutive scoring drives. To put them back in this game in the fourth quarter. It was incredible. Again, nobody even thought this was even a possibility. Doctor said, your goal is to walk again. He said, screw that. I want to play football again. Transferred out from UCF. Left that program. Decided to go to Florida State in Tallahassee. Make that squad. Was the backup. He actually competed for the starting job. And after what I saw this week, past week, he might get the nod. He might be the starter in this upcoming matchup because Travis wasn't really doing much with his arm. It was very mediocre. And you could just see the energy and how it was so quiet every time he took a snap. And then after every play eruption and I mean as I'm also a diehard Notre Dame fan but you could I was rooting for him I could feel that this was a story unlike any other it was to me it was flashbacks to Alex Smith right then and there that's what it felt like there was so much energy there's so much tense Pressure, you could cut the tension with a knife at watch just watching because you did not want to see something that everyone was fearing at that point to happen, which was another injury. Notre Dame escapes, wins in overtime, but Mackenzie Milton was the storyline and the headline. What ended up taking place on Sunday night was something magical and spectacular to watch. And it wasn't like you he played extremely well. He played like a veteran that had been in the system before. He knew he checked it down when he needed to. He even scrambled a couple of times. He made every correct decision. And the real storyline was that play at the end of the game. They were down three. Bad snap. He picks it up. Doesn't even think about covering the football. He's like, this if I covered up this football, I'm going, it's I gotta go for it. We're gonna be out of field goal range. Picks it up calmly, throws it away. 
ends up leading to a game-tying field goal. It's, it was remarkable. Clearly, the head storyline might be the story of the year in college football, even if he doesn't even play again. Because it was that special. Now let's go into some games that are happening this week. I know we took broke down Tampa Bay, Dallas. So I'm going to give you two college football games that you need to watch and two NFL games that you, we really need to watch. So let's dive right in. Number one, I think it's pretty simplistic. Oregon versus Ohio State in Columbus at the Horseshoe. Oregon, one of the more Mario Cristobal, finally thinks that he has something here that he can really run with. It's finally really his team. You're going to see something intriguing. Ohio State, both teams kind of struggled week one. Fresno State did not give Oregon any really, any daylight. They covered that spread. Ohio State, they struggled. They were on the road. They were part of the Thursday night matchups in at Minnesota. Minnesota gave them a game, and then Ibrahim from Minnesota, the tailback, ended up getting hurt, and Ohio State pulled away. But it's intriguing to see. This is a crazy high spread. 14 and a half to the Buckeyes. I don't see it that high. I, I Two touchdowns plus take Oregon there. I think this game can be really close. It's going to be really exciting. I don't, defense might be optional. It really will be. And if Fresno State could put up some points on Oregon, you know Ohio State's going to put some points up on them. Because Ohio State won 45-31, Oregon won 31-24. Very, very high scoring, very entertaining. I think both teams will be in the 30s. One of them might get into the 40s. But keep your eyes open for that one. Hands down, potentially the matchup of the weekend. The other one that I think everyone's kind of sleeping on because they don't really like, eh. It's going to be okay. Iowa, Iowa State. This might be the first time in a long time, or potentially ever, I don't know, that both teams are in the top 10 when they're going to face off. Iowa, a statement of the, one of the statements of the weekend last week at home against Indiana, a very good Indiana squad. Blew them out of the water. I think it was like 34-6. to six. Then Iowa State, they kind of struggled. They had Northern Iowa, and they only won 16-10. to And right now, Iowa State's favored? Upset alert. Watch out for the Hawkeyes. I actually like Iowa outright in this matchup. So, and I know it's not going to be a flashy game, but if you're someone who wants to watch Smash Mouth Football, that's exactly what this matchup is going to be. I'm going to beat you down and will take the will and life out of you. So Iowa, Iowa State, Oregon, Ohio State. I like Oregon to cover. I think Ohio State will win. And then I like the Hawkeyes to upset Iowa State in Ames. Okay, now there's a couple matchups on the NFL side that I think are very promising this week. You want to know my first one? It is 
the Seahawks, and at the Colts. Why? You have Russell Wilson. He had his drama this offseason, potentially about being traded. I think Seattle is potentially one of the top contenders out of the NFC. And then what else do we have on the other side? A very interesting storyline. The resurrection, potentially, of Carson Wentz reuniting with Frank Wright in Indy. Indianapolis was one of the most complete teams year, a year ago, but they couldn't find the answer at quarterback. No offense to Phillip Rivers. Can Carson Wentz rejuvenate his career? I don't, I don't think they're going to win this week. I like Seattle. Seattle just knows how to ball, and I'll take Russell Wilson pretty much against almost everybody besides Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. So, I really think this is a potentially Seattle's last real go at it, at trying to make another Super Bowl run. So, it'll be really intriguing to see how this one unfolds. Right now, Seattle's minus two and a half. I like that. Take Seattle. I think they're going to win by a field goal. The other matchup that I'm really excited for is one that many many be say that is, eh, it'll be okay. It's actually not the Browns and the Chiefs matchup. I think the Chiefs might actually blow the Cleveland out this this week just to make a statement. But this one's actually flying a little bit under the radar. And it is Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Why? I think Pittsburgh, this is, again, another team that this is their real last go-around at making a run at the Super Bowl. On the other hand, you have the Buffalo Bills who are ready to win now. The last two seasons... Keep improving. Lost in the AFC Championship last year. Josh Allen, front runner, one of the front runners to be the MVP. And then you have a Pittsburgh side that is trying, again, making their final push at a Super Bowl. I think this is a little bit of a sleeper game. Buffalo's a touchdown favorite. I think it's going to be tighter than that. I think it's going to be a four-point win for Buffalo. I like Pittsburgh to potentially cover that. And if you're really feeling risky, don't be surprised if Pittsburgh somehow surprises people and pulls that one out. Because I think Big Ben's going to go out on a high note and really show that who he, still, uh, he is still as great as he thinks he is, and I know he is. I know there's a couple other decent matchups here. We have Browns-Chiefs. Again, I just mentioned I think the Chiefs might blow Cleveland out just because after the playoff game, had to barely beat him on a fourth and half a yard go for it with Chad Henney at the quarterback. I think they're going to want to make a statement in an airhead. Packers, Saints, the return of Aaron Rodgers, Jameis Winston, the new starting cornerback in New Orleans. Will that be even a close game? I think Green Bay actually might show that Jameis still has the issue of his 30 for 30. He may not throw as many interceptions, but I think he's going to still showcase that he is not the answer as a starting quarterback. quarterback. Alright, so now I'm going to wrap up this episode of the Final Whistle with my Super Bowl prediction. And it's going to be very simplistic. I'm taking Buffalo out of the AFC. I think this is their... They're ready. I think their team's complete. I think the issue will be Kansas City, but I think Kansas City 
is beatable if you know if you watch Tampa Bay's game plan. If you can get pe- pressure on Patrick Mahomes, you can make him from superstar down to great, and that gives you a chance because then your offense has to be lethal enough, and Buffalo has a lethal enough offense, and it's gonna be. Tom Brady right back there again. I like the Bucks, And I don't just like the Bucks to be there. I like the Bucks to repeat. Because I think Tom Brady has a chip on his shoulder still. There's still that little intermittence between him and Coach Belichick of who wants to be great. Brady did it last year, one-upped him. Belichick made all these moves this year. He already cut Cam Newton, going with Mac Jones as the future in New England. There's still a little bit of I want to rub it in your face. And I want to sh- prove that it's why I was great and you were great was because of me, not because of you. So, those are my two- that's my Super Bowl, Tampa Bay over Buffalo. And Tampa Bay will be repeating down in LA at SoFi Stadium. Well, everyone Enjoy your weekend, kick back, relax, watch some football. Football starts tonight. Tampa, Dallas, I told you who I'm taking. I think Tampa's going to blow out Dallas. And there's some great matchups on the way this weekend. Keep your eye on it. Sit back, throw your arms up. If you need a drink, take it, have a drink. And enjoy your football extravaganza weekend. I'm Blaine Spencer from the Final Whistle Sports Podcast signing off. Enjoy the football, everyone. Have a great weekend.